0: I invite you this morning to look with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. We entered the week we call holy, that really is kind of unholy. And we all know where this is going. On Palm Sunday, we all know where this is going. We have read the story over and over. Many of us have. And we know that it's not until next Sunday that we celebrate the day when a bad Friday became a good Friday because of the resurrection victory of Jesus. But the question from Jaron Rao this morning is worth asking. When we celebrate the victory of Jesus, Will we really know what we are cheering about? Do you really know? Do I really know? Do we really know what we are cheering about when we celebrate the victory of Jesus? And so to get there, we enter into this holy yet unholy week, and we join the crowd that day. So let's join them. Matthew chapter 21. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. So why do we do it? Why do we read this story over and over and over again? Most of you who have read it can recite The events, the features, donkey, palms, hosannas. The same people want to kill him at the end of the week. But this entrance into the ground zero, if you will, of the cross is much bigger than we can imagine. It requires us to return to the scene and see ourselves in these people. It's it's time for us to become the crowd. Join the crowd this morning of Matthew 21 and conclude the same. This is Jesus. But which Jesus? Remember, the text says the whole city was stirred. They were stirred like an earthquake. Same language. And what we find is a seismic shift taking place in the entire world as the Messiah enters. And my friends, if we allow him to, he will create a seismic shift in our lives. But, that can be as unsettling at times as the tremor of an earthquake. But first, there are the rightful praises, right? The rightful shouts of praise. The crowd is swarming, and the crowd is swimming in expectation. And you know what? They're probably drawing some attention. But it would be unwanted attention, the kind of attention you don't want to have from the occupying Roman forces of Jerusalem because the crowd and Jesus are making a dangerous political statement. The carpet of clothes, the waving of palms, the procession. This is, make no mistake about it, this is an in-your-face day. It's a reception. It's a reception for a king. Make no mistake, Jesus, Messiah, true king of Israel, savior of the world, is riding into town. And the crowd is placing Jesus in his rightful position, but not just for that day, but for all time and eternity. At the book of End Things, the book of Revelation, we read these words. The lamb will triumph because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Hear that. Lord of lords and king of kings. No king, no president, no ruler is greater than him. King of kings and lord of lords is what scripture teaches us. And so yes, it's a powerful statement. It's a dangerous statement, but the crowd had it right. They were welcoming the one who holds the key to their victory. But there was this one problem. There was this one problem for them. And maybe, maybe for us too. The problem was this. What is the donkey doing there? This donkey's a problem. Yes, the gospel looks back and it interprets this seen rightfully as fulfilled prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But the question is, is this what they want? Is this what we want? Because conquering kings entered on noble and strong steeds. Powerful horses. Symbolizing the crushing defeat of an enemy. That's what the people wanted. They wanted a Messiah who would come and crush and defeat the empire. They wanted a king who would set them up in power. But what did they get this morning? They get a Humble and lowly and common donkey. They don't get a symbol of power. They get a demonstration of peace. They don't have someone coming to rule with force. They have someone coming to rule with nonviolent love. Messiah, the king, comes as a servant. He comes as self-giving. He comes as one who suffers. He comes and he confronts the typical patterns in self-serving power. That's not the king the crowd wanted. That's not the king the disciples wanted. Go with me to the end of the week and you discover that the chief disciple brandishes a sword and takes off someone's ear. What was he doing? He was defending with violence the nonviolent king. And the king would have none of that, as you may remember Yes, he's not the kind of king that they wanted. He's not the kind of king sometimes we don't want. He's not the kind of king they wanted, so you know what happened, right? The Hosannas turned to crucify him. They went from Hosanna and with as much volume and force, crucify him. And yet, in their cry, that first Palm Sunday, in their cry of expectation for victory the way they wanted it, we also hear on the parade route that day a cry for rescue the way God wanted it. It's the same story, same words Hosanna! It, It literally means save now. The people are quoting this psalm that we heard read earlier, Psalm 118. It's a psalm of ascent. Verse 25, Lord, save us. That's the phrase, Hosanna. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. It's a psalm that they would have remembered and recited and practiced since they were children on their way to the temple. It's a psalm that identifies and calls for the saving power of God. It's a psalm looking for rescue. But but look again at the crowd. We're in the crowd now. We're walking with the crowd, the crowd who has known this language their whole life. What are they trying to do? They're trying to make Jesus something that he was not, and he was never intended to be. A conqueror to vanquish the military enemy? A political power broker to claim their perceived rightful place in their country? A personal protector for their own self-interest and gain? A celebrity who can prop up their own status when they attach themselves to them. You see, Jesus was trending. He was trending that day. He was moving right along. If Jesus had social media, it would be burning up on Palm Sunday. We must be careful that our hosannas, we must be careful that our hosannas are not on the surface, in the service of self-interest, but rather that their true praise and surrender to Jesus. This king riding in on a donkey one day said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we need to be careful with our hosannas. But truth, we are all looking for rescue. We are all looking for salvation and security. We all are. The question becomes what am I looking to for rescue? What am I looking to for me, for my wife and my children, for my family, for my friends, for my country, for my world? The question is, who am I looking to? Who am I looking to to be my security, my salvation, my king, my conquering king? Who am I really looking to? How am I expecting God to bring rescue? His way or my way? Yes, the the cry of the people has a seed of truth for all of us. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And just like we did at the start of this service today, we have turned this into endearing praise. And it has come to mean that. And it is indeed that. But the shout of Hosanna is birthed in a cry for rescue. It's actually a desperate cry for enduring salvation. Listen to the cry of the crowd. We're in the midst of the crowd. We're bumping shoulders with them. Jesus, rescue us! That's what they're crying. You're the one. You're the rescuer. None other can really rescue us. And most of all, rescue us from ourselves. It's a constant cry. Read it through the scriptures, beginning to end. The psalmist echoes the whispers of our hearts. In the dark places of life, in the hard places, in the places that aren't adding up. You know, I began to think this morning we pray for a lot of things. We pray for a lot that is not yet. We ask for a lot that we have yet to see. Because of next week, we pray in hope. But this psalmist whispers, the echoes of our own hearts, when he says, turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. And the Apostle Paul gives us language to our pleas of deliverance from the brokenness of a self-driven ruled life, which we call sin. And he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. So you can be certain of this. Jesus hears your cry. Jesus hears your cry. He hears my cry. He hears our cry. And he comes to us gentle and riding on a donkey. He comes to us. That one said this, that king, he said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Cliss Ramol tells the story about a group of citizens from Boston. I'm sure you're familiar with it who in 1786 created an organization. As you well know, we live on a rocky coast. I was talking with someone the other day about different parts of the country, and some parts of the country people call it the beach. I grew up in New Jersey, right? We never called it the beach. We already said, we're going to the shore, right? The beach, the shore. But you know what I noticed The people in New England, you know what they often say? We're going to the coast. Right? They don't say, you know, like like my family in Florida, we're gonna go and hang out on the beach. We don't say, hey, we're gonna go and hang out on the rocks. Right? A little bit different. Well, the reality was shipwrecks were a frequent occurrence back in the 18th century and between now and then along the New England coast. Lives would be destroyed, cargo would be lost. And so this group, which was called the Massachusetts Humane Society, wanted to change that. They wanted to mitigate those disasters. And by 1848, their rescue efforts were so effective, and became a central, life-saving part of the measures along the eastern seaboard that eventually it involved into what we know today as the Coast Guard. These ordinary citizens back in 1786 were committed to rescue. And that is what our rescuer wants. Jesus is committed to rescuing us and wants to shape your history and my history. He wants to meet us in our history and make our story his story. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the one who will head out into the storms of sin and he'll throw you a lifeline. He's the one who will go into the crashing waves of failure and remind you that you're his beloved. He enters into the ocean floor of depression, wanting you to know you're not alone, and the white caps of fear. He boldly enters into the gale force winds of doubts and the fierce hurricanes of sorrow, and he launches out, into the open water of sickness. And he goes with us into the dark waters of death. You see, Jesus enters the world like a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. Do you know what their motto is? So others will live. We go out so others will live. Will live. Clarissa Mole tragically lost her husband, young woman. Made no sense. And she writes this suffering and trials will make us feel like we're drowning. Evil in the world around us seems like it has no end. But when hiding rock and treacherous shoal threaten to undo us, our hope remains secure. On the cross, our rescuer has defeated sin, death, and the devil, and one day he will rescue us, delivering us from our enemies forever. You see, this is where this holy yet unholy week leads. It leads to the uncomfortable, unpredictable, unsuspecting, unlikely way that God comes to rescue us. Lord, save us. Hosanna, Lord, save us. How? Galatians 1 says, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So no wonder The city was stirred with seismic activity of soul. No wonder our souls should be stirred with the seismic activity of his love. On the larger scale of things, the engineers and scientists among us understand this much better than I do. But there are very few in the larger scheme of things constants in the physical universe. Very few. But one is the speed of light. The speed of light in a vacuum. It's like stupid fast, right? 299,792,458 meters per second fast. How fast is it? Well, it's already gone. There's only one thing faster than the speed of light. In my mind. And that's the speed of God's love. Or as Tish Warren writes, the world is full of beauty and horror, but the unchanging reality underneath it all is the love of God that creates, sustains, and redeems all things. The unshakable reality of love breaks across the shadows of vulnerability and death. God's love and devotion to us will not stop calling no matter how dark the night has become, light, not darkness, is the constant. And I wrote this in my journal this week. But oh God, it feels like darkness is the constant. But then I remembered. I remember what the Bible teaches us about Jesus. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. Amen. Light shines in the darkness. John 1:5 is worth memorizing. Light shines in the darkness. Name your darkness. Whatever that darkness may be, light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so she goes on with this truth. The only way to endure this mystery called life is to put the whole weight of our life on the love of God. You say, Pastor Jeff, I thought we were talking about Palm Sunday today. Well, what happened on Palm Sunday? A seismic shift takes place and everything has changed because Jesus is on his way to rescuing the world whereby we can put the entire weight of it all on God's faithful love. The one thing faster than the speed of light, God's constant love is coming and coming and coming and coming to rescue us. 1 John says this is how God showed his love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him putting the whole weight of life on his love. This is Jesus, the crowd said. This is God's rescue plan for the whole world. And this includes you and me. So, where in this present evil age Do you need rescuing? Do I? Where do you need rescue today? Where is that sin that you need saving from? What is it? What is that attitude that you need deliverance from? You're tired of it. What is that sorrow? you need healing from? What is that discouragement you need lifting from? What is that pain, that deep pain you need relief from? Where is it that you need Jesus to come and meet you? Because we believe that as we enter this week, at the end of the week, a bad Friday was made good. We know this He still rescues, He still goes out so others may live. He is the one who will come and sit in the darkness. Sometimes he doesn't rescue me from my circumstances, but he rescues me in them. So he is the one who will come and sit in the darkness. He is the one who will come and weep in the sorrow. He is the one who will suffer in the pain. He is the one who will die for the world, for the forgiveness of sins, and he is the one who wins the victory over hell and death. So let me ask you, as I ask myself, Where do you need rescue today from Jesus that comes from Jesus? Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Thanks be to God. Our worship team is going to come. And as they come this morning, we're going to sing these lyrics from Matt Marr. For my money, if you want to really prepare yourself for Easter, you should listen to Matt Marr all week long. It's all week long. I'm going to. And he writes these lyrics that we're going to sing. Lord, I come and I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, Lord, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. Here's a truth. Until we know that we need rescue, we will not be rescued. In some ways. Until we know that we need saving, we won't cry out. But when we do, He's faithful. And you know what he does? He just shows up. Where is it that you need rescue today? Let's make this our closing prayer together. And wherever it is where you need God to meet you today, I invite you, forgiveness of sins. He he runs to us to forgive us like the prodigal father. Comfort and grace, that's the name of the Holy Spirit, paraclete, comforter, one who stands beside us. Strength, hope, we read it. He's our refuge, our stronghold. And he meets us beyond our emotions, beyond our circumstances. our lives. Let's cry out to him, Lord, I need you. Stand with me this morning as we sing together.